Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks for spending your Tuesday morning with us when we have Alex Marvez rolling in to share the fruits of his labor and his knowledge about the NFL. Alex, my man, do you still think Sam Darnold is going number one overall? Is Josh Allen a possibility? Do you buy into any of the subterfuge around the NFL draft right now? Or how about that three-way trade being circulated yes. on the interwebs as well that would have Buffalo jumping all the way up to number one in this draft, the Cleveland dropping to number two, the Giants then dropping down to number four. Listen, stranger things have happened, right? But I'm going to go with Sam Darnold just because I think he was the most consistent college quarterback that there was in terms of upside, in terms of completion percentage. I know Josh Rosen had his injury history. People are saying that he's too smart, whatever that's supposed to mean. Josh Allen, we have the, the accuracy issues, and I just can't see Baker Mayfield as the number one quarterback in this draft. So I'm going to go with Sam Darnold just by the uh, you know process of elimination, so to speak. I think that'll end up being their guy. I think it's the safest of all of the picks that they have. And listen, try to build a winning team around him before you get to that second NFL contract that's so big in today's NFL because teams that pay the quarterback, well, oftentimes they don't win at all. We're talking to Alex Marvez. Okay, so what are you hearing from a drama perspective as it gets closer to the NFL draft? Do you, do you buy into the idea, first of all, that – let me let me start here. How many quarterbacks do you think will go in the top ten? Oh, I, I think we're going to see all four gone by 11. I think okay. that's in Miami's at that sweet spot at 11. The big question is, is Arizona laying in the weeds? It's been way too quiet out there. Are we to believe that Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon are the answer? 
for the for the Arizona Cardinals beyond placeholder quarterbacks for one season? No. I think we worry about that. And then Buffalo at 12, why'd you move up from 21 to 12 if you're not going to get a quarterback? And this is where things get curious, by the way. Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State, he had dinner with the Bills. I imagine Lamar Jackson comes into play there too, Clay. So we may be talking about five or six quarterbacks even as early as the top 20. Overwhelmed by the amount of attention and fallout from Des Bryant being released, which to me means there wasn't, at least in the Dallas Cowboy fan base or in the nation at large, a great deal of belief that Des Bryant still has a lot left. Ding, 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 we have a winner. I mean, remember, this wasn't like Josh Norman being cut in his his prime by the Carolina Panthers, you know, out of the blue. I mean, you know, listen, it's been three years of declining returns for Des Bryant, and who does he have last year to blame? I, I mean, you know, for his for his failings. I mean, he just cannot separate anymore from, you know, and he was never really a super fast guy, but he's not getting any quicker later in his NFL career. He's a really nice number two wide receiver being paid as a number one wide receiver. And, you know, the problem that, that Des Bryant had was his agents, I, I think, did him a disservice by not putting in one of these roster bonuses clause that would have forced the Cowboys to make a decision early on in free agency. You know, that he's, su- he's due to make a certain amount of money as part of his base salary five years into the league year. This way the Cowboys would have had to make a choice as to whether they were retaining him or not. Instead, they strung along Des until they made a final decision and then let him go at a point where so many teams have already moved on on at the wide receiver position. You know, you look at Baltimore, we hear him connected there. Well, they already spent on Michael Crabtree. They already spent on John Smoke Brown. Are they going to bring in Dez? Maybe, maybe not. But the, the point is that he's not going to get paid as well as what he could have had he been out there in the free agent market. I think ultimately the Washington Redskins make a lot of sense to me. They're a team that does need a wide receiver, a veteran presence on that squad. He could fit in well if Josh Doxson, you believe, is your number one wide receiver. Then he would be that number two. Paul Richardson would be your speed guy. He'd have a chance to play the Cowboys twice a year. And, you know, I just think, though, that the question is this. How much is it going to cost? You know, the teams that are – there's no one chomping at the bid immediately to bring Des Bryant into their organization. I think someone's waiting for his price tag to go down, and then we'll see where he's at. Play. I would imagine 8 to $9 million is likely what Des Bryant's going to make make for the 2018 season. Nice number of shekels right there, but obviously not the 12-5 he would have made with the Cowboys. Yeah, I was saying that yesterday on the show that I thought his value was around $7 million a year, yeah. just trying to you know spitball. Eight to nine, not that much different in the grand scheme of things. How many legitimate teams do you think would be willing to bring in Des Bryant? Well, uh, I mean, you just the, mentioned a couple, but I mean, how, how, how much is his agent's phone ringing right now? Well, I don't think it's ringing. That's the whole problem. I don't think there's a ton of interest. San Francisco's a team that, that I've heard bandied about as well as a potential destination for, for Dez. You know, they have a lot of money available under the cap. But, look, some teams are going to wait till after the draft even to consider this. And it's not a great draft for wide receivers. In fact, you know, what I'm hearing is Stephen Ridley may not be the first wide receiver off the board. DJ Calvin, Moore. Calvin Ridley, yeah. Yeah, of, of Maryland may be that guy that jumps ahead. I'm not so sure about Cortland Sutton. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the guy, you know, from SMU, if he's going to be that that guy. I don't think he jumps Ridley. But, and listen, you can never know with Ozzie Newsome, right? Best Alabama player available on the yeah. board. You know, you never know and, who's going to take him. I'm glad you mentioned Calvin Ridley because I think he's a fascinating test case because for the last two years he's been had Jalen Hurts to throw the ball to him. And Jalen Hurts has not been a very good passing quarterback. And then – if you think about what he would have been like if Tua Tagovailoa had come in and been able to swing the ball around, I mean, when Calvin Ridley had a downfield passing threat as a freshman, he looked all-world. I just wonder on some level how much of his uh, drop in, in, in overall value is predicated on who his quarterback was at Alabama as opposed to uh, to how much he actually progressed. I think that's an interesting question. Also, 
Saquon Barkley. We talked early about Saquon Barkley, how high he was going to go, where the possibility was for him. Is he still an unquestioned number one? I think is the answer is yes at the at the running back position, although Darius Geis seems to have picked at LSU up a lot of uh, momentum as well. Where do you think that, that, uh, that Barkley is going to end up? Well, two things I want to get. I want to loop back to Ridley here real quick. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the challenges you have with quarterbacks as well, like a Josh Allen who plays with non-NFL wide receivers. Yes. You know, how good is that guy? How do you evaluate those types of things? You go to the measurables sometimes and you look at, at combine scores, pro day workouts, et cetera, but it does make it tough. But there just isn't that buzz about Calvin Ridley. You're not hearing any excitement really about this wide receiver class in general. It's a bad one, and I think that's why you see so many teams that, that paid, like, you know, for the Albert Wilsons of the world, like the Miami Dolphins, Little Danny Amendola getting two years, $12 million from the Dolphins, a guy in his early 30s at a slot receiver position, really? And Jarvis Landry breaking the bank the way that he did. So that's something to consider right there. As for Saquon Barkley, he is going to be to be selected well before Darius Geis, even though Geis could slip into the first round of this draft. You know, a lot of, like you say, a lot of positive buzz surrounding him, but a very deep class for running backs, extremely deep class for running backs. You're talking about quality guys potentially available in the third round, like last year where Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were chosen. So teams figure that maybe they could they could just have to address some premium positions first, and I think that might be the Giants' philosophy as well at number two. They seem to be the one most likely to try to acquire Saquon Barkley. They don't have an established running back beside Jonathan Stewart. They're sort of just, eh. you know what I mean? They're, they're just there. Uh, Wayne Gallman is there, the former Clemson standout, but he's just not, eh. you know, like not, and that wouldn't add the spark to Barkley provide. But would that come at the expense of adding Bradley Chubb, who's, a, who's obviously the best pass rusher on the board, and there aren't a lot of great pass rushers in this year's draft. You're not going to get the same quality as a pass rusher in round two that you would at running back if you decide to wait until then. Thus, Brad, you know, Barkley may start to slip here. I mean, he could be this year's Adrian Peterson. Adrian went seventh overall in 2007 to the Vikings. They were thrilled. They didn't think he would be there. Well, you may start to see that slide by Barkley because other teams have premium positions they want to take. A lot, of, a lot of quarterbacks and pass rushers and maybe even a defensive back in some cases like a Micah Fitzpatrick or a Denzel Ward rather than Barkley. So he's a slider to watch. It's intriguing. Um, what? Let's, let's circle back around on this trade talk. You always hear about trade talk. You said potentially five or six guys could go in the first round at the quarterback position depending on how things all break down. Potentially even in the top 14 or 15 you could have that many quarterbacks being drafted. Uh, what do you think the likelihood is that we see a big-time trade uh, between now and uh, the f- opening Thursday of the NFL draft? Well, I think I think we will, just because I think you know the Buffalo Bills have put themselves into in this position where when you're sitting there at 12, if you're not in love with Lamar Jackson or you're not in love with, with Mason Rudolph, and those seem to be the next guys, number five and six off the board, well, you better do something, right? And the Miami Dolphins sitting there at 11, and, and I'm not sure how much of a smokescreen it is. They redid Ryan Tannehill's contract, so they pushed some money into the future with him. They'd have to swallow that as dead money if they decide to move on from him in 2019. But, you know, when you bring in Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield for these pre-draft visits, I mean, you're doing your due diligence. If they were totally happy with Ryan and Tannehill, I'm not sure if they're bringing these guys in. So that's where the Bills have to worry about some things. That's where I can see them making a jump. You know, the Denver Broncos, from what I'm hearing, you know, obviously a lot of smoke about the quarterback position, Baker Mayfield, someone they've spent, you know, enough time with that they could adopt him at this point, and it would, you know, would be a seamless transition there, uh, you know, based on the Reese's Senior Bowl, all the the interviews they've done, pre-draft visits, et cetera. But my impression is that they'll probably be taking 
taking an outside linebacker. So this is a team that may be willing to jump back a little bit in the draft if Buffalo's willing to offer enough equity to move forward. Would Buffalo offer Jerry Hughes, for example? Is he someone who could be on the move because he's not a perfect fit right now in the Sean McDermott defense? If you think Jerry Hughes brings you closer to a championship and, and he can play back at that outside linebacker spot for the Broncos, something to consider, and being able to pick at number 12, that's not too shabby for them. So, you know, you go through all these things, and that's what teams are doing right now. I mean, the Bills, besides draft picks, and they do have two second-rounders, two third-rounders, and, of course, you look to 2019 as well, uh, you know, for them with a first-round pick to move or a second-round pick, they've got equity. They've got Jerry Hughes, so they may be making that type of jump themselves, even though this is a team that does need to readdress its offensive line play because obviously with with Cordy Glenn gone, Richie Incognito retired at least for the next five minutes. You never know when he'll be back. <laughs> and Eric Wood forced out. Hey, you know, this is a team that obviously has to get a whole new left side of its line. We're talking to Alex Marvez at Alex Marvez on Twitter. Ruben Foster, really serious allegations against him with the San Francisco 49ers. They are just allegations, but they are really, really incredibly ugly. When I see those allegations and I see the relatively muted response uh, across the league and across social media and everything else, it leads me to a question. Has the NFL's we won't stand for domestic violence like uh, rush of sort of mob justice that seemed to surround the response to Ray Rice just disappeared? Because these allegations against uh, against Reuben Foster are every bit as bad, if not worse, as the allegations against Ray Rice. For Ray Rice, yes, it was on video, but his career yep. effectively ends. The NFL commissioner, people are like, oh, you got to remove him. He didn't take this seriously enough. These allegations come out against Reuben Foster, who's a pretty high draft pick at a big-time franchise that a lot of people think could take the next step for the Super Bowl this year. And nobody really says anything. Why, and do you kind of agree with me that it's surprising, given the trajectory of where we seem to be about the NFL's unwillingness to accept even domestic violence allegations, that this thing hits and most people just kind of shrug their shoulders? Well, I mean, I think you raised a great point about the video part of it. And that was the thing. With, with Ray Rice, there was video. And listen, other acts of domestic violence, we, Ezekiel Elliott, for example, you know, and that was, it was something that had gone round and round with him, of course, and his suspension. No video, a lot of allegations, played up really big. I don't know if it's because Reuben Foster is simply just, you know, not a big enough name for some NFL fans. I mean, look, the people in the league know him, and he was a first-round pick, and obviously SEC fans know him, but let's be real here. I mean, he's not the same type of star as a Ray Rice. You know, and I think, too, no, who's calling the 49ers on the carpet for this? You know, where is the national, you know, the, obviously the media indignation about them keeping Reuben Foster on their team? Yeah, he didn't show up for off-season workouts. You know, they kept him out, and of course, you know, he's got his day in court coming up on these on these felony charges that may land him 11 years in jail but you're right there may be fatigue when it comes to this sort of thing and you know I just think that maybe just again timing you know happens on a on a Friday on a weekend and, and you know it, it, you're right there, there isn't the same type of outcry on this but let's just put it like this it's not the season Reuben Foster I don't know if he ever plays a game in the NFL again I mean do they have a prison team uh, is this going to be Burt Reynolds what, what, what is the set the 49ers have said he's not going to not going to be involved in uh, team activities while he, these charges are pending I think is what they've said right yeah. if I'm not mistaken but these charges could be pending for a long time, which would make me think, you know, having been through and involved in the criminal justice system before as an attorney, it's likely that he wouldn't play in this coming season of football, right? I mean, I, right. I, maybe he can get this thing resolved uh, between now and then, but I don't think that very many DAs are going to treat cases like these 
leniently because they know that they could end up in the line of fire in terms of people blaming them if you look at some of these stories that have gone viral. So I'm just curious what's going to happen here. Um, And maybe it's just that everybody's so ecstatic in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Warriors are rolling and everything else that people just don't want to focus on a negative story. But the girl, I mean, the the damage that was allegedly done to this woman is pretty extensive. It's not like this was just, you know, you can never excuse these kind of things, but it's not like, you know, somebody got shoved and, you know, like uh, then the cops got called and there's no violent evidence of activity. I mean, her eardrum was ruptured. Right. No, you're right about that. And listen, it, it, and you, look, you think about the Des Bryant thing, or, or even the Greg Hardy situation. You see bruises, and you see photos, and, and you know, yeah, it, it makes an impact, but it, it's just not the same way with this one. Listen, think about this, too. The district attorney, when this thing was initially announced, and, and you were supposed to have that first round of outrage, well, they never went into any details. They never said that her eardrum got perforated, that he punched her in the head eight to ten times and things like this. I mean, it was just there was nothing that... When you think about an NFL linebacker punching a girl in the head eight to ten times... Right. I mean, that is, uh, we're talking about insane. I mean, you could, an NFL linebacker punching a grown man eight to ten times in the head, there's not very many people listening to us right now who wouldn't have insanely serious damage, right? And that's a grown man trying to defend himself in some way. We're talking about a woman he probably outweighs by 100 pounds. And, you know, again, we're not just talking about, you know, an allegation of, oh, you know, he shoved me. No, we bumped into each other. Like, we're talking about a legitimate, like, attack, essentially, here. And I'm just kind of surprised, given the degree of where we were. And again, it's an allegation. He has the right to defend himself. But when you have, you know, this kind of damage, I think it's something happened to her, right? It's not like somebody perforates their own eardrum very often. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty serious injury and or we haven't seen any pictures, but I would think there have to be some physical evidence uh, that, that, that the police were able to put together here. Like, this is just an ugly, ugly situation. No, it's horrible. And listen, this is the same franchise, too, that cut Tremaine Brock uh, last year, their cornerback, when he was arrested on, on a, a felony domestic violence charge, of, what he, of which he was ultimately cleared. So, you know, they didn't even wait for the justice system to play out. They got rid of him. But again, it's another example of how things work in the NFL. And, and listen, I give the Philadelphia Eagles credit, at least for this. You know, they're pretty consistent, it, you know, except for Michael Bennett. Okay, but here's <laughs> yeah, my yeah. point. You, you know, but, I mean, like, they cut a guy who gets a, who gets a you know, DUI situation and has an, un, uh, an unregistered gun in his car. I mean, they just didn't want to be any part of it. even. And though that was right by the facility, part. too, right? Right. You know, I mean, and listen, by the way, sometimes players do head over toward the facility to try to sleep things off. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, they, they may, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's right, but that, that there's been a history of that in this league where, where players, you know, instead of being smart and calling a car service, they're just thinking, okay, let me just get over to team headquarters. I'll sleep it off, wake up in the morning and go home. It's a safe harbor, so to speak. Well, not so much, obviously, for, for James Worley, um, and, or Daryl Worley, rather, and getting cut. But uh, the point is, though, with this, it, and you know what, what's interesting, too, you see what happened with Laura Ingram, right, where there was, you know, the, the her comments, and I'm, I'm just comparing this here in that terms of outrage and people going after sponsors. Well, where are the four, where's the media going after sponsors of the 49ers? Where are fans speaking out about this, right? I, you know, and that goes back to this as well. I mean, look, how much is the average fan, and I hate to say it, how much do they care? 
You know, do they just want to watch the games on Sunday? They don't care what the guy does off the field. As long as you show up and play football and you help my team win, that's all I care about. And you know what? It's all this, you know, winning games obviously is what the 49ers care about. That's why they haven't cut the guy already, even though he's facing 11 years in the big house. Play. I just don't, I don't think we're going to see Reuben Foster on a football field anytime soon, if ever again, to be honest with you. It's Alex Marvez. Appreciate the time, my man. Have a good Tuesday morning. Hey, what about your boy Dan Mullen saying he's going to make things fun in Gainesville again? You optimistic? I am optimistic. I am optimistic. It, it is very good. I'm just sad he hasn't added Hugh Freeze to his staff. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And bring in Petros Papadakis, AM 570 Sports in L.A. You got your taxes done, Petros? Uh, my wife does all that. So you're done. You're in good shape. She went, She's good at math. <laughs> yeah. The last math class I took was Algebra 2 MCR. Did you take that in, uh, was that in USC or was that in uh, high school? High school. Yeah. I was you... specifically an English and American literature major, so I would not have to go to any math classes. I was told there would be no math in college, and there was none. I had to take one math class. You'll appreciate this, because uh, I was a history... Uh, guy but the math class that I took was basically first of all was math for sorority girls which your wife is a sorority girl so is mine they're both better at math than us so uh so that's probably an irony in and of itself but my wife was removed from the sorority oh really what happened I think she'd rather I not say (laughs) wow I wow that's that's a quite a quite a scandal Um, enjoy that yeah so my mother was also removed from the sorority not the same sorority, but a USC sorority. Petros, you're really not going to tell us either one of those two stories? You can't what tell us about your Clay? mom? He'll be back in a second. Why does this always happen to me? Does this happen to you guys all the time, or is it specifically when I'm on the air? It seems like it's happening to you. Wow. Man, Over you guys must really weeks. hate Southern California. Yeah, but, we do. Yeah, my, my mother, uh, she got kicked out for missing curfew. She used to be a theta. Go ahead and ask me a sports question, and I'll fill it for you. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about – I guess let's talk about the NBA. It wasn't all that exciting last night, but the Warriors maybe won't have Steph Curry back until the Western Conference Finals. In my opinion, that's the best possible thing that could happen for them. I don't know how closely you're paying attention to those series yet, but is that the way you see it? I don't think they need them this round. I don't think they need them next round. They need them 100% against either the Rockets or the Thunder and then obviously in the uh, NBA Finals. Well, I'm not interested at all in the playoff series that are going on right now, but I can answer that question, I believe. Uh, We don't have a playoff series going on right now in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, The Clippers suck. The Lakers suck. Uh, USC basketball was a disgrace starting out in the top ten, and UCLA lost in the play-in game. So the hoops aren't really that exciting, except they are going to remake uh, White Men Can't Jump. Now, that being said about the NBA playoffs, I've always felt as if the NBA playoffs don't start until some stupid thing happens with a celebrity regarding the NBA playoffs. And last year it was something about Rihanna, not cheering for Kevin Durant or something stupid like that. And this year, uh, it happened before the playoffs even started, where uh, Khloe Kardashian's uh, boyfriend or baby daddy, right before the birth of their child in early labor pains, uh, was seen in a security cam footage in Washington, D.C., in a hookah bar, motorboating uh, two Instagram models, or one Instagram model and making out with the other one while the other one grabbed his junk, which is pretty damn exciting. 
uh, other than that, I'm pretty sure the Golden State Warriors are going to win the next five NBA championships, and everything's going to suck in that regard. By the way, I think your mom pulled the cord on my uh, radio show here. Um, my mic. She I'm missed back curfew. To... She missed curfew. Oh, she, she missed curfew. She oh. was a virgin, and she missed curfew. Oh, okay. Well, and, that, uh, I mean, back in the day. her out. Yeah, that's a big deal. So uh, I said I was going to ask you about this, too. Um, when and we're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in L.A., when you uh, hear a story, I don't know if you probably haven't heard this story. I've been texted all morning about raccoons. Yes, I, I said I was going to. Yes, I said I was going to ask you about this. Some so, guy wanted me to text you that a raccoon killed his cat. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I have a lot of raccoon stories. Oh really? Yeah, because once I moved out of a, a condominium and moved into a house, uh, I started to get my ass kicked by nature. Specifically, uh, peacocks, spiders, and and raccoons. And the raccoon situation was pretty interesting. We once had one that had uh, distemper, oh, which that's I guess not good. is kind of a form of rabies. Yes. So uh, the raccoon was inside the cage, or no, just outside walking around, freaking out during the day. And uh, we called animal control, and they're like, we'll come pick it up. But before they came and picked it up, it it just died writhing and screaming on the lawn in the daytime in front of my two-year-old. That was great. This is your new house? My old house. Oh, old house. Yeah, and uh, I, then I used to set traps for the raccoons or, or have the gardener do it. And uh, when the raccoon was in the cage, then you're stuck, like, staring at a raccoon in your yard in a cage for, like, a day while the gardener kind of waits to pick it up. What does the gardener do with the raccoon? Do you know? Uh, usually, I think, takes it like to a bigger area where there's a canyon and lets it go, I think. Yeah, that's what they tell you. Well, animal control just comes and puts them down. Yeah. Or right. you can call some kind of weird, uh, not weird, of course, but, you know, one of those uh, tree hugger services, they'll come and, and let them go in the wild or come and buy the damn thing an iPad or something. <laughs> uh, but the, my gardener, Mr. Mario, just lets them go in a, in a canyon. What's your gardening philosophy as a home? Well, like, my father, I grew up uh, on, a, on a relatively large piece of land, especially for Southern California, and uh, my father made us do the gardening. Uh, like so, I mean, like, you, what, like what kind of gardening? Like, did you grow plants, or you do, like, like what, what, what kind of garden are we talking about here? Mow the lawn, oh. uh, rake endless leaves and pine needles. It's a very wooded area. Uh, it was just awful. And uh, I don't do anything like that anymore at all. My yeah, idea with of gardening I, is I walking outside with my shoes off. Yeah, I don't do anything on my house either. Like, we have the guy come out and do everything. And, like, my wife handles it all. Like, are you like me? Like, my wife inevitably has all sorts of things going on at the house. Something's always not working at the house. And, the, like, the doorbell rings, and I go answer the door, and they're like, hey, I'm with so-and-so, and I'm here to fix so-and-so. Can you, you know, let me know what I need to do? I'm like, I, lit- I literally have no idea. And my wife is frequently not at the house, and I feel like I'm letting these guys down to such an extent because they come up to the door, and they're and I, I don't, she doesn't even tell me, you know, like I don't, I don't know anything about what's going on at the house. I pay the mortgage. That's the extent of my role in our home. I am ostensibly, other than being constantly faulted off the air when you're on the air with me, <laughs> I am, uh, I am ostensibly more useless than any other man in the world. 
Uh, I do not screw in light bulbs. I don't. I don't do. I can wash dishes and clear the table and do restaurant-related things. Yes. Other than that, uh, I got nothing. I'm in, in the exact same boat. Uh, in fact, the dishwasher is being installed today. Talk about first-world problems. We've been uh, washing our own dishes over here, like the freaking 18th century, like uh, like early man. Wow, I, we've got two dishwashers, not to brag. Oh, but, God, uh, dude. And they're like double loads. I mean, they're pretty impressive. All Would right, so uh, Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold. It's now oh. nine days away. I don't know how much time you've spent talking about Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold on your show. Let me tell you what I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm worried about draft day, and I have to do a show from a boat. <laughs> Why a are you boat on a boat? A haunted boat that is no longer uh, able to move. The Queen Mary. I got to sit there on the deck and be like, hey, who are the Chargers going to draft? Why? <laughs> because that'll be going on while you're doing your show, right? Yeah, it's my job. Yeah. But anyway. Well, I, I think that it's going to bear out the same. Uh, my radio partner made this point, and I completely agree. Nothing that Jim Morris said or does about Josh Rosen matters one bit. Uh, Mora is a is a coach. He was a good coach at, at some points. He's had some struggles too at both levels. Uh, he's certainly very confrontational, and he says things, and he's got a job on TV. And I think that's all that mattered about Rosen. Somebody's going to draft Rosen because he throws the ball so damn well. And his mechanics are beautiful. And that is the bottom line. But Darnold's got a lot more than that. Uh, he's got a lot of intangibles and leadership skills. I, I think that Morrow was right when he said that. Uh, I don't think anybody really thinks anything different. But I don't know what Cleveland's going to do. It's a weird place. They, they've won one football game in two years. So uh, they obviously aren't great at making decisions. I just think it's so hilarious, all these people that are experts at this, that like make their own mock drafts and like uh, say who this team's going to take. If this team takes that guy, contingent on another team taking another guy, and they try to work every scenario, and no one's ever – it's like trying to do the tournament. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's better just to sit back and watch because everybody's lying to everybody when it comes to the draft and the agents and who gets floated what information. It's a useless question. Darnold's better than Rosen. They're both going to be drafted in the top five. Darnold's better than Rosen. Like I'm more interested in your perspective on these guys both being Southern California born and raised. Um, I heard Colin Cowherd the other day try to compare Aaron Rodgers to Josh Rosen like Chico is the same as Manhattan Beach, California. And it's not. And that their fathers had similar jobs, and they don't. Josh Rosen's dad was considered for the Surgeon General role under Obama, and uh, Aaron Rodgers' dad is like a chiropractor guy at a gym. Yeah. You know? So we, we stretch out a little bit when we compare these guys. The, the, the towns these guys are from are night and day. Uh, Rosen yeah, for people up, who don't know, what's the difference between Manhattan Beach and San Clemente? San Clemente is the last community in Orange County to be insulated from the Real Housewives of Orange County-style culture. Does in other words, sense? there's re- there's real people with real jobs in Manhattan. I mean, in, in San Clemente. Like, you can be a normal person and live in San Clemente in a way 
that you can't in other parts of Orange County. That's the way that I take it for people who are in other parts of the country and may not be familiar with the area. Well, I wouldn't go. I mean, there's tons and tons of just normal great people in Orange County uh, of all creeds. And, right, and, but, but when I read – so let me take a step but, back. When yes, I have there read, is less. There yes. is a lot less of what you see in Newport Beach in San Clemente for a few reasons. It's really far south. You know, it's the last stop in Orange County before Camp Pendleton, and then you get into San Diego. Uh, it has no hotel, no luxury hotel, uh, which all the other communities all the way up the coast do. Yes. And uh, it just doesn't have people that are $500,000 in debt and filled with uh, Botox. Uh, it's it really place- hit me hard here because that just summed me up in an essence. <laughs> uh, it, it's a great community that I love. It's a surf community. And uh, the football team is just kids from that community. No transfers in. It's a public school. They have a creed, the San Clemente Tritons. One town, one team. Uh, Darnold was a two- or three-sport athlete who came out of that. As uh, He was highly recruited in that he was such a special athlete, but he was under the radar in that he got hurt in high school and played a, di- a few different positions along with uh, quarterback. Uh, Rosen was a tennis star. A tennis prodigy, an individual athlete, a great tennis prodigy, to where you know he was being coached by people like Lindsey Davenport at the age of 12. But he blew his shoulder and got into football and had a bunch of private coaches and all the advantages, and that's why he's so pretty. He obviously took to it and the tennis background, but he comes from an individual sport background, which is different from a guy who spent a lifetime playing team sports and, and football. And, and I think also, on top of that, you have Manhattan Beach is... Well, I Manhattan think, Beach has become... I'm sorry, I didn't explain this. Manhattan Beach has become... Uh, when I was a kid, Manhattan Beach was Strawberry Fields, and it was a nice community, but it wasn't a celebrity community. Yes. Uh, now Manhattan Beach has every rich sorority girl in an apartment... Uh, going to USC or Loyola Marymount. It has uh, a ton of wealthy families. I'd say 50% are indigenous to the area, and I mean that by saying, like, you know, they're from the 50s. (laughs) Uh, uh, I would say the other 50% are hockey professionals who live here in the offseason or they're on the Kings. And uh, uh, Colin Cowherd and all of his friends and everybody else that works at Fox. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a very wealthy community for people who still want to have a beach lifestyle but also want to live in a way that allows them to drive into the Los Angeles area, right? still a substantial drive, but it, it's the kind of place where you, a lot of doctors and lawyers also have their uh, – grow up. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's an interesting community. And it's so, become the premier Los Angeles beach community, uh, I think, even ahead of Malibu in some ways uh, for sociability. Yeah, and so for people out there who aren't familiar with Los Angeles, which is a large percentage of our listenership, while we also have a lot of people listening in L.A., there is a lot of people here Southern California, and nationwide they have kind of that idea of, oh, I know what that means, 
but there's a pretty difference. There's a difference in the way these two kids were raised, even well, though they me, both grew up in Southern one, California. With all due respect to many of my friends in Manhattan Beach, there's a lot of people in Manhattan Beach that don't know anything about Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you're born and raised, but I do think that's interesting. You can be from a beach community, both in Southern California, and the difference between the way Sam Darnold grew up in San Clemente and the way that Josh Rosen grew up in Manhattan Beach can be seismically different, even Dude, though mileage-wise they're not that far apart. I grew up in San Pedro, California, where the ghetto meets the sea. You know, Snoop Dogg <laughs> grew up in a gang – I'm not the same as, as Snoop Dogg. I'm not comparing myself, but Long Beach is yes. a beach. You know? <laughs> These are all places people get shot. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely true. What else is out there that I should know about, uh, about your life right now? My life? Are yeah. you just putting it out there for me? Yeah, I just want to know. Like, what's, You're not going to uh, like how, it. How are things going with you? It's not going to be about having money or property or being right about anything. That's kind of my, uh, my wheelhouse. I know. First of all, you go after $500,000 in debt and Botox on tax day, no less. I don't know. You know, I've got my Botox appointment later today. You don't end up this beautiful by accident. And now you're going after my entire, uh, my entire self-esteem. Well, speaking of self-esteem, I was thinking of doing Botox not to fix my wrinkles, but maybe to help with my forehead sweating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are a prodigious sweater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, what's going on? I'm thinking of screening the movie The Third Man which is an old uh, uh, British film noir at my house on Sunday. For who? For myself. And maybe oh, just by yourself. My and by When you say screen, do you have like a cool viewing area or is it just put on the regular television? Uh, the latter. Yeah. Well, I hope the raccoon doesn't show up and spoil the fun. The raccoon died a horrible death on the yard. What's your uh, yoga teacher's name again? Today? Yeah. Tuesdays is DeAndre. Yeah, DeAndre. Tell DeAndre we said down hi. There. Yeah, tell DeAndre we said hi uh, and uh, enjoy that uh, beach lifestyle uh, that you love so much. I think he's. T- I won't go take yoga in Manhattan Beach. That's a good example. I because it's o- too like trendy. Yoga. There's too many. Like you're afraid of who you run into. No, I go to Torrance. It's mostly it's a giant Japanese. Did I lose population. him again? What? Did you keep hearing me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Did we lose I'm Petros here? that time? I think that I am being cursed by the ghost of the raccoon that you killed. I didn't kill the raccoon. It had distemper, for God's sake. Don't you, you listen? Killed it. I did. You killed it. It's your fault. Um, all right. We will uh, We'll talk to you next week, or somebody will. I, I don't know. The curse only happens when you come on. Well, your, your team did a great job once again. Which team? The people you work with. Oh. All right. No, they do a good job. I don't know what the hell's going on. That's Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in L.A. You all have his text number uh, if you live in L.A. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 